In the name of the Ascended Christ, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. In the last few weeks, I've started to talk about the Great Pause as a mini-apocalypse. Not apocalypse in the end-of-the-world eschatological way, but more in terms of the truer sense of what the word actually means, an unveiling. A lot has been unveiled or revealed to us in this past year, and I am sure a lot more will be revealed the further out from this year that we get. As those revelations become more prevalent, we would do well to remember that the church is uniquely oriented to offer insight, perspective, and guidance in how we adapt to a post-pandemic world. Since the rise of the scientific era, the church has slowly diminished in popularity and relevance, leading to the saying in the mid-20th century, God is dead. As churchgoers, we first resisted and reacted against such language. Then we tried to overcome it with defenses that accepted the general premise of God is dead, but twisted it into meaning that we, the church, needed reform. Since then, the God is dead phenomenon has slowly seeded itself into mainstream religious thinking. Now we bristle to hear those words and yet accept the idea that the church is dying. In the last several years, Pew Research has told us again and again that the number of Christians in America is declining. We hear about churches shutting their doors. We become anxious when we hear that the church won't be viable in 20 years. We have allowed ourselves to become defeatist. This is not the first time that God or religion has been under threat. In the ancient world, the Israelites lost their homeland and spent years adrift in exile and captivity before rediscovering it. The earliest Christians were persecuted and shunned from the temple so that the community went underground to pray together. During the era of reform, Martin Luther threatened the status quo, as did Henry VIII and several others. At the start of World War II, both Christians and Jews were persecuted. Many Christians chose simply to assimilate their faith into the state religion that Hitler declared versus facing the persecution that the Jews must. Again and again, throughout Christian history, we have seen apocalyptic movements that unveiled something for us and gave us new understandings of how we had drifted from God and how we might find our way back. This latest, albeit different, Apocalypse gives us the opportunity to do just that. The opening of the book of the Acts of the Apostles reminds us of the disruption Jesus is in this world. Everything these good Jewish men knew before becoming Christ's disciples is disrupted. They had followed him, bearing witness to his life and testimony to his power. He had taught them from the beginning. Then he was arrested, went on trial, was given the death penalty, nailed to a cross, died and was buried, and three days later rose from the grave and ate and drank and taught them some more, on a beach, in an upper room, and on a road. For forty days Jesus stayed with them, opening their eyes and their hearts to a new way of being, revealing himself and unveiling all the things they thought they knew, but really didn't. 
Jesus didn't make it easy, and now he disrupts them yet again by his ascension into heaven. Just when they thought they could hold on to all they knew in Christ and rest in his presence amongst them, feeling renewed in the promise of the prophets that the Messiah would restore the kingdom of Israel, he, the Messiah, leaves them. He doesn't abandon them. He promises the Holy Spirit to them to guide and inspire their building up of the faith, the church. But he does leave them. He ascends into heaven, and this time they know he is gone for good, or at least until he returns again. Now they are the ones who have been empowered by Christ to get about the business of furthering this ministry and witness. And the rest of the book of the Acts of the Apostles is devoted to sharing the examples of that ministry, witness, and evangelism that the Apostles, the Council of Jerusalem, and Paul will undertake in trying to define and shape this new way of understanding faith. For all intent and purposes, the Acts of the Apostles is a history of the first church and the way of reform that leads to the movement of Christianity. Jesus disrupted their lives by changing the way they were living. No longer were they fishermen or tax collectors or farmers or carpenters. Now they were followers of Christ. They attempt a lot of ways of being in those early days, being inspired by the Holy Spirit and attempting to put into practice all that Jesus taught them. Some of their experiments have good results and others do not. But the simple act of trying and trying again brings them and the church great success. They begin an evangelical movement that will span the Middle East and into Europe. In time, empires will convert to Christianity and their reach will extend across the globe. It is not due to the actions of one person or even 12 disciples, but of many. And it is not something that they figure out initially and then set a process in place for continued success. Instead, it is the result of effort upon effort, doing new things and rethinking old ones that span across time all the way down until today. We are a part of that early church movement. And never in our lifetime has it been so obvious that we get to take part in the way of the church and the way that faith develops. That's the gift of this past year. That is the gift of the great pause. This past year of pandemic has revealed so much to us about who we are and who we want to be in this world. Our job is to take some time to wrestle with what is being unveiled for us in our own lives, locally, even globally. Once we begin to identify what has been unveiled, hopefully the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and the partnership we've nurtured with God and one another might just strengthen us to do something new in this world, to try some experiments. Those experiments may succeed or they may not, but we will not fail because we will have actively participated in God's work of striving to make all things new. I think that's a powerful lesson of the ascension and of the early church. Jesus conveys to his disciples and to us that he is full of surprises. 
that following Jesus in this new way means not getting complacent in our own faith and ministry, but actively seeking new ways of being. Prior to the pandemic, our lives and routines were a rut of racing around from thing to thing, to and fro, hither and there. Sometimes that life was fulfilling, but most of the time it left us empty and craving purpose and direction. God is our purpose. God is our direction. This apocalyptic pandemic unveiled the unfailing truth of our desire and need for God's love and the church's purpose in shining that light of love and hope, especially in times of darkness. There are those who might believe the church is dying, but not if we Christians have anything to say about it. We have proven our resilience and our worth. This past year gave us the opportunity to be evangelists by wearing face masks as sacraments, outward and visible signs of God's love for us and our love for one another. We do so still in our concern and care for our most vulnerable populations who are no longer the elderly amongst us, but our children. We get vaccinated as a new expression of that love, not simply so we might not get sick, but so that we protect others from getting sick as well. We evangelize online now, sharing God's message of hope and love far beyond our walls. This past year has brought us newcomers and visitors from as far away as Japan and Pakistan, and as close to home as right next door. We have cared for our neighbors locally and globally through our various outreach ministries and financial support. We and so many churches found new life, new vitality, new ways of being. The church is not dead. We are alive and well. Jesus comes and disrupts our lives. And before he ascends on high, he orders the lives of his disciples by teaching them how to be the church in the world. He does not ensure our success or even lay out the goals and objectives. He simply says to those first disciples, to us, love me, love yourself, and love each other. It's like Bishop Michael Curry is always reminding us, if it's not about love, it's not about God. Amen.